Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None is possible. It's Steve. It's Steve. <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani. What's up, everyone? I'm Steve Zakawani. Welcome to another episode of Winging It with Zakawani. We're here to celebrate a successful MLS regular season for the Sounders. A 10th consecutive playoff appearance was rubber stamped on Sunday by that dramatic late win against the San Jose Earthquakes. We're going to recap that. We're going to preview the playoffs. At the time of this recording, we do not know who the team will be playing. So I'll take a look kind of at all potential opponents. I'll give you my feelings on who I think will go through. And then I want to end the podcast by talking a little bit about my friend, Brian Schmetzer, who for some reason, some strange reason, is still severely underrated. And we will have Sounders majority owner, Adrian Hanauer, stopping by for an exclusive interview talking all things Sounders. But let's begin on Sunday. As soon as Rui Diaz scored and the stadium went loud and didn't stop for 20 minutes and everyone was just cheering and celebrating the fact that Seattle not only won that game, but got a bye in the playoffs. A bye. Can you believe that? Listen, I'm not the I told you so type of person. I'm not the gloat in your face type of person. If I was, I would remind you that in May and April, there are episodes of this very podcast of me sitting here and telling you it's going to be okay. Any team that loses six starters by injury, especially in Major League Soccer, is going to struggle. The coach is too good. The players are too good. The franchise is too good. This team will be okay. Now, I'll admit, I wouldn't have called second. I would have said fourth, maybe fifth. But the run and the tear that the Sounders went on to complete the second best half of an MLS season ever has just been incredible. I don't have the words to even describe what they've done because I don't think it's something we'll understand until maybe many years later. Nine games in a row winning, 13 games unbeaten, winning 17 of the last 19, something like that. Those kind of stats, you know, they don't just happen. It's down to a very talented team finally coming together, having the drive, the passion, the will, the desire, and the determination to right the wrongs of that terrible first half of the year. That game on Sunday was a snapshot of the entire season. What a terrible start by the Sounders. Looked disjointed. Looked like they were playing the occasion and not the game. Were their minds on what was happening up in Vancouver or in Colorado or in LA? They, had, they already had two feet in the playoffs, not just one foot. They had two feet in the playoffs. So were they taking their foot off the pedal a little bit? It was tough to say, but San Jose took the game to Seattle. One of the worst teams in MLS history by single season record. San Jose was playing one-twos and combinations around Seattle. They seemed a step faster. Seattle was second to every loose ball. And the frustration level that must have been going through Brian Schmetzer, Gonzalo Pineda, Jimmy Traore and Preki, Tom Dutra, that coaching staff, must have been through the roof. Roof. Because you've seen this team go on the runs we've just talked about. And to see San Jose come to CenturyLink, your last tune-up before the playoffs, 
And that's how you play in the first half. Reminding me of March, April, May, June, and some of July. The second half, particularly the last 20 minutes, was everything that's been good about this sound this season. The first goal, working the ball from left to right, the makeshift right back, the utility man, Christian Rodan, the, the golden child, puts in an unbelievable Beckham-esque ball into the box, right to Rui Diaz, who did what he's paid to do, and that's put the ball in the back of the net, something he did several times since joining Seattle not that long ago, and he finishes it. The second goal was a thing of beauty. That's the kind of goal that is made in the heavens. I mean, I could talk about Victor Rodriguez all day. I always have a bias towards every left winger that this team signs and only plays on the left because for many years I held down that position. So I always like to watch um, some things that they do differently than I did or similar. And me and Victor are obviously completely different, but I love this guy. I mean, this guy is just special. This guy is a DP level player. Don't argue with me, argue with yourselves. Victor has talent that any team in this league could use. You watch that goal again, the second goal. Go back now on YouTube, go to the Sounders website, watch that second goal. When Osvaldo Alonso plays the ball to Rodriguez, look where he's standing. He is standing in the attacking mid position. He's so far inside from where any winger typically would be. His starting position is so far inside that the San Jose right back has no idea what to do. He can't come and mark Victor all that way because then he leaves space for Waylon Francis you know, the left back to get up the line. He's kind of got to hold his position. The defensive mid is occupied by Nico Lodero. The centre-backs are taken up by Rui Diaz and Will Bruin because there was two strikers on the pitch. So Victor sees that and knows that I can be here and no one's going to pick me up. He receives the ball and then what he does next, he turns and faces and starts driving at the centre-backs. That's what I love about this guy. He commits players. The centre-back has a choice to make. If I keep backing off into my 18-yard box, Victor shoots. If I go and press Victor, he can find Nico or Raul. And the centre-back chose a second option, press Victor. Victor found Nico. Nico found Raul. Raul put the ball in the back of the net. It reminded me of the Clint Dempsey and Oba era, the one-touch, given goal, ball in the back of the net, crowd goes crazy. It was that kind of goal. But do you break that goal down and it's attacking play of the highest level just in time for playoffs. That's the one thing that's been lacking for me this season. Defensively, the team's been solid. Not one complaint for Kim Kee-hee, Chad Marshall, Stefan Fry, and the crew back there. Zero. They've been as good as anyone defensively. That was never the issue. They've been good since March. The attack has been heating up. And then for that to be your last goal of the regular season, in that way, your striker, who you're counting on to propel you forward in the playoffs... Scores that type of goal. Your number 10 gave the assist. Your other dynamic winger played his role. Your best player, yes, I said best player, Osvaldo Alonso, played the initial ball. What a season he's had. Listen, we can debate all day. Is his level what it was? Is it not what it was? I played with the guy. I know the guy. The stretch of form he's been in since the summer is as good as anything I saw when I was with him. And this guy, trust me, in 2009, 2010... 2011, when I would email friends back home in London about my teammates, that was the first name. It was Osvaldo Alonso. It's this guy from Cuba, listen, like, you, you don't understand what this guy is doing every day in training and in games. And he's repeated that for 10 years. The guy deserves a statue. The Sounders will be in the playoffs. Who do they play? Who do I want them to play? These are all the fun questions. It sucks to be one of the teams sitting at home. 
I told you that this is the part of the season you work all pre-season for, you work all off-season for, regular season, you fight for this position. I'm not a fan of the playoff system. I've been on record saying that. I grew up in England. The best team is the team that wins the league, single table. I get that. But listen, I've also been in the States for 10 years. I get it. I get what the playoffs are. I get that the excitement builds around that round-robin knockout tournament kind of situation and fans coming there to see and your away goals and you, you, it's just amazing. It brings up so much excitement for myself as well. And you're looking at either LAFC, FC Dallas, Real Salt Lake or the Portland Timbers. Now, the, the objective person in me wants to see the Portland Timbers because that's the biggest game available. That's the derby. Can you imagine what CenturyLink is going to sound like after Seattle knocks Portland out? I don't even want to think about it because, listen, we'll need eardrums. This is going to be insane if that happens. But if I think realistically, I would want Salt Lake or Dallas because I think Seattle beats both those teams comfortably over two legs. No games are easy, don't get me wrong. But Seattle is much better than both of those teams. Dallas, for whatever reason, they stop playing when October hits the calendar. They just stop playing. And I don't understand why that is, but I'm not complaining because it helps Seattle. The other team that kind of scares me is LAFC. That attacking group is dynamic. It's dangerous. They kind of remind me of what we were as an expansion team. You know, just fearless. Didn't know what to be afraid of because we'd never been there before. We just played. You know, we made that run in the Open Cup and won that. We should have gone further in the playoffs, but we were a really good team in that first year and then in the years beyond, obviously. So LAFC scares me a tiny bit. So I would want Salt Lake or Dallas. What I think is going to happen, I think LAFC is going to win. They'll beat Salt Lake. And so I think Seattle is going to play LAFC. And we, of course, of course, will be previewing the second leg of that because the first leg will come up and then we'll be back to preview the second leg. I do believe that second leg will be LAFC. Regardless who the Sounders play, it's exciting times to be a Sounders fan. I lied. I do gloat. I told you so. Everything was going to be okay. Stay tuned. We'll be right back as I sit down with Adrian Hanauer. We talk all things, all things, Sounders this season, Sounders past, a little bit of his journey, some of the things he's up to off the pitch. And when he's not kind of here at the office and working on things to do with the Sounders, he's a man who has obviously brought so much to the Pacific Northwest soccer-wise. So we sit down for an exclusive interview as soon as we return. Stay tuned. This is Winging It with Zach Owen. Not how Brian Schmetzer would have scripted today at all. Right now it's working out. Lodeiro, the ball played in. Pantaro was scripted. Rui Diaz at the double. Sounders not at their best. But they've taken the lead late. What an incredible day of MLS action. And welcome back to Winging It with Zakawali. I'm pleased to say I'm now joined by Sounders majority owner, former GM, Adrian Hanauer, joins me on the podcast right now. Adrian, how are you doing? I'm good. How's it going, Steve? Good. Um, let's start on Sunday. I mean, that last goal by Rui Diaz could be the loudest I've heard of stadium all year. I mean, it was unbelievable. And yeah. it stayed for like 20 minutes after the whistle. Um, what were your thoughts on the game Sunday and then the season as a whole? Yeah, you know... It was pandemonium on on Sunday. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was in our suite. I had yeah. the the split screen up with the eight 
other games <laughs> going on, uh, was following really carefully, hard to, hard to pay attention to three games at one time, um, saw what was going on in, in, uh, uh, Colorado, yeah. um, what was happening in LA, obviously Portland, uh, losing in Vancouver, uh, and then, you know, feeling the momentum shifting in, in our building, uh, the, the second goal from Raul just kind of putting the, the nail on the coffin of, yeah. of, of knowing that we were likely to get a buy. It was, it was absolutely, uh, crazy. Um, uh, you know, maybe a microcosm of the, that's of the season what, that's overall. What I said, yeah. 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 I think you had mentioned that, you yeah. know, uh, it was a, uh, it was a rough season. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure my uh, my heart could take another <laughs> one like it. Um, but you know, it's the cool thing about sports is is when you've got the low the low points, it it makes you appreciate the the high points that much more. And and you know, when you're when you're on the inside and you're yeah. your owner manager involved as a player, yeah. you know, you try to try to keep the highs you know, manage the highs and the lows and, yeah. and try to keep a little bit more of an even keel uh, or you'll drive yourself crazy. But, but even, even this season and, and, and Sunday uh, were enough to, you know, for me not to be able to control those emotions, <laughs> maybe as much as I, as I normally do. So uh, yeah, crazy, but, but happy to be here with a, with a bye. Yeah. It put a stamp on a 10th consecutive playoff appearance. But let's go back to the beginning, because since the MLS era, um, the Sounders haven't missed the playoffs. But it began on a cold night in March in 2009. What are your memories from that inaugural game, specifically against New York um, way back in the day? Yeah, you know, as I go back and think about that, that evening, obviously, you know, some of the broader, maybe human human pieces come back to me more so than the game. Um, when we acquired the franchise in the middle of 2007, my, my father was still alive and, uh, you know, I learned a lot of who I am as a person from him. And, and, uh, I know he was really proud of, of the fact that an MLS franchise was coming to Seattle and, and when the game came around, he had passed away. Uh, so I do remember thinking a lot about my, my father uh, as that game hit, uh, standing there with Joe Roth, with Todd Lewicki, with Drew Carey, looking around the building, sort of saying, wow, we, like, yeah. this is really happening. Uh, we did it. Uh, um, the feedback from fans, the... It took me back to to my youth a little bit, and and going to Sounders games at Memorial Stadium, and and seeing the fan base, seeing some of the kids, but then also some of the fans who had been at Memorial Stadium with me uh, back in the back in the seventies and eighties, uh, and then you know obviously on the field to have the team perform the the, the way they did. Um, score goals, leave our, leave our fans, um, uh, happy and, and hunkering for more. Uh, it was just, you know, it was obviously a magical, magical evening. And, and I still, you know, to this day, those, you know, rainy, rainy, cool evenings, 
uh, are kind of my favorite, <laughs> you know, favorite events yeah. uh, when, when we have games. So, you know, to have this this uh, Thursday return leg coming up, yeah. 7.30 start time, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll probably be cool and damp and yeah. um, looking, you know, really looking forward to that. Um, you played growing up. So talk a little bit about your playing career um, and how good were you actually yeah, as a youth Yeah, playing career is a, a bit of a stretch. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was actually a very good uh, under kid until I was under, maybe under 12s. Um, I, had, uh, I had really good skills. I had good vision, um, good technique. Uh, I, had, I had this buddy, this partner in crime, a guy named Bobby Brook, uh, and we used to tear teams apart. We'd just go down the field and kind of score at will. Uh, uh, from, you know, kind of 13 on, I, I grew late and yeah. kind of was kind of a pudgy 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old that, that didn't get around the field very well. And um, so, so those were kind of dark years for me. And then I, uh, I peaked again, maybe over 30s. Over 40s. Now I'm over 50. I, I haven't been out to play for a while, but I think I'd be a pretty good over 50s yeah, player. Sure. So, uh, so uh, you know, maybe like uh, like Schmetz says about Chad Marshall, you know, <laughs> like a fine wine. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm aging well, and my you know my soccer best soccer days may be ahead of me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the so a, a kid who grew up in this region knew what the Sounders were, played a little bit. How do you go from that to actually owning the team? How did that come about? You becoming the owner of the USL team or the A-League back then? Yeah, you know, I'll try to keep the long story short, but um, I was on an airplane uh, in 2001, and the guy next to me opened up his laptop, and I saw the Sounders logo. And I hadn't really thought about the Sounders, knew the Sounders for a long time. You know, I'd gone about my life and started companies and... And uh, I asked him what what the Sounders were. He's like, oh, we're, you know, minor league team, play at Memorial Stadium. You should come check it out. We're looking for uh, what they called investors, um, but it was more like philanthropy. (laughs) Uh, And my family was in a position to invest or or put some money in. So so I started going to games and going to the office and kind of checking out what, what the Sounders were at the time. And... And uh, and I'd go into the office and asked a lot of questions, and eventually the, the the general manager at the time, the guy I'd met on the airplane, decided to to move on. And the owners at the time were uh, were Scott Oakey and and Neil Farnsworth, and and they said to me, "Hey, look, dude, you broke it, you fix it." <laughs> so uh, so I started going into the office, and um, for whatever reason, I was I was decent at running a. Um, this minor league uh, soccer team, but early on decided that probably minor league sports in a major league city wasn't wasn't the place uh, the best place to be, and and that ultimately would not be successful. It was a it was a really tough business, losing a lot of money, uh, and so started trying to figure out a way to bring MLS to Seattle, and and ultimately um, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, who I become friendly with 
uh, called me and said, hey, there's this Hollywood movie producer in, yeah. in L.A. named Joe Roth. He wants to open a, a, to do, to do a, a, a team in Seattle. You guys should meet and be partners. Uh, and we ended up meeting uh, in the middle of 2007 and uh, kind of hit it off and, and uh, decided to do the team. When that group got together, I mean, we're sitting now on the back of 10 straight playoff appearances. Uh, I mean, consistent sellouts. You've had so many great plays so many great nights. When you guys got together in 2007, um, Paul Allen, Joe Roth, yourself, Drew Carey, did you guys envision this kind of success? Or what were you aiming for at that time? Yeah, no, no, no if I'm honest. Um, you know, we, we knew it would be successful. We knew this was a great soccer market. We knew there was a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, you, you know, the Sonics were leaving at yeah. the time, which was bad for, for Seattle, but, you know, left a bit of a, of a yeah. void uh, in the market. Uh, you know, even the Seahawks, Mariners have been struggling. So it was, you know, we just came into the market at a, at a good time. But we had no idea uh, how well things would go, and and I think we made some good decisions along the way that kind of kept the momentum going. And um, but but certainly this is just a tremendous market with amazing fans as as you know have supported us now for for ten straight years, uh, and uh, and soccer. I think it's just a little bit, you know, it's just a little bit different in the Northwest. Yeah. You yeah. know, it yeah. is, yeah. it is a sport that has been a, a, a big piece of the, the culture and history here for a long time. And, and so we were able to, to benefit from that. As a Sounders owner, you want the Sounders to do well. But as someone who's a fan of the game in this country, you want the whole league to grow and do well. How do you balance that with when you see like an Atlanta or an LAFC, other expansion teams, you want them to do well, but they're not too well. What's the balance for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty easy to bifurcate for me, which is uh, I want them to do extremely well uh, in terms of relevance in their communities, fan base, sponsorship, uh, media rights, all the business aspects. Um, and I want to beat them on Saturday. Yeah. And if they're a Eastern Conference team, I want them to beat a Western Conference team every Saturday. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple equation, which is, you know, the, the, the growth in the sport uh, is is a positive thing for everyone uh, uh, associated with our with our league, um, and uh, you know we we all want the support to be massive in this country in North America, and ultimately to also be able to play our part uh, in promoting and and uh, making sure that the U.S. national team programs yeah. are successful and that ultimately we uh, win a World Cup. For those who know you, before we let you go, I want to ask you this. We know that one of your big things now is tennis. So how did that begin? How often do you play? And what's your level of play? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've become obsessed with tennis uh, over the last, I'd say, five years. Yeah. Uh, I played a decent amount as a kid until, again, until I was 11, 12 years old. And then, you know, 35 years went by and I played maybe once a year. Uh, I had started to play golf. And I thought that I might get decent at golf. 
um, and golf just it just beat me. Um, <laughs> it beat me down and and made me miserable uh, and uh, frustrated with myself. And so I started shifting to to tennis. Uh, I'm you know I'm so competitive with others you know that golf golf is more of a you know sort of a mental game and competitive with yourself kind of deal and 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 so i i didn't get as much joy uh uh in that sport in in tennis you know and and it's it's me uh i'm a singles guy it's me, me versus someone so i control the outcome uh I also can still move around pretty well yeah. uh, for an old guy, and so uh, it's it's something that uh, that that is just you know com- connected with me uh, pretty well, and it's such a good workout. Yeah. So that was sort of this combination of things, and and so yeah, I you know I'm playing a couple three four times a week. I'll play as often wow. as I can, hours at a time. Um, my level, you know, I've I've gotten to the point where uh, I'm a decent, you know, middle aged man rec player. <laughs> um, uh, in in rating systems, there's a there's a rating system, probably a four player. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I think I'm still getting better, and uh, and it's it's been a good outlet for me. Yeah. You know, a lot of um, you know, sports is uh, not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, owning, yeah. managing, playing—you yeah. know—it's yeah. yeah. it can be stressful, yeah. uh, and it's very public, and and so it's a it's a great outlet for me to get my mind off of uh, off of soccer and the yeah. Sounders for for some hours per week. So it's it's been great as a player for me. Five minutes before the game, five minutes before, whether it was a preseason game. Maybe even like a training scrimmage, a playoff game. I always had the same feeling. It was always kind of like a little bit anxious, but excited and then ready to go. And then once the whistle blew, anxiety went and I played. What's Adrian Hanover like five minutes before kickoff? Does it depend on the game or is it the same? How do you feel before the game's about to start? Yeah, no, it's it's the same every single game. Um, uh, you know, and to really give you... Uh, a, a look behind the curtain. It probably is the night before where I can't sleep. Yeah. Um, and I've, you know, I've told people this before and it sounds crazy, but I, I love the, you know, sort of the culture building and the team building and the, um, uh, all of the, the, the sports science and the, okay. um, the youth system and the scouting and the coaching aspects and, training sessions and and you know how we relate to the global market and all of that and i i i hesitate to say this but i almost can't stand the games like i i'd I'd almost (laughs) just rather go to sleep during the game and check the score uh, because it's so agonizing and and you know, I got to imagine it is. I think it just must be easier as a player. Yes, you, you have some kind of control. Yeah, yeah. and you're in it. Like yeah. you're too yeah. active to to yeah. have it be on your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're an owner, I'm sure a coach, a manager. You know, yeah. it's just it's just agonizing. So, um, you know, I pr- pretty much have knots in my stomach um, <laughs> the entire game. If we're ahead by. Three goals in added time, <laughs> I can start to relax. 
Um, but anybody who's seen me during I, games... I've watched the game with yeah. you. I think it was a Champions League game. Yeah. You've watched an S2 game with me, and I'm I'm kind of the same way. Yes. I get... And I watch a lot of our Academy games. I yeah. get aggravated in the oh, same way. Right. So, um, although at least with those... In those games, like seeing the progress, yeah. knowing that that isn't the the winning isn't the end game with the yeah. academy s2 you know that that we're trying to develop players at least yeah. helps me rationalize my yeah. you know um, and last but not least i do want to ask you because i remember when i came to seattle in 2009 one of the things that struck all of us players was just how well the club was ran it wasn't ran like an expansion team it felt like this thing had been in motion for many years and when you peel back the layers there was the influence of the Seahawks at the time. And obviously, Paul Allen recently passed away. So talk about his influence, not only with how he helped the Sounders to get a firm foundation initially, but just him in this region in general, all the stuff he's done. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for asking uh, yeah. the question. Uh, and, you know, it is, uh, it's been a very rough period here uh, yeah. in, in Seattle uh, over these, these past couple of weeks, Paul Allen was such an, a, 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 a big influence in our community, um, starting back with Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, and all he has done uh, in sports, culture, entertainment, science, um, philanthropy, uh, it's, it's actually quite extraordinary, his footprint. Yeah. Um, as it relates to the Sounders... Uh, in those early years, really led by Joe, you know, we we forged this partnership with uh, the Seahawks to help launch our franchise. Um, Todd Lewicki, yeah. uh was kind of our point of contact, uh, but it it certainly wouldn't have happened without the support of of Paul Allen and and uh, and so he allowed us to plug into that Seahawks management team and launch this franchise uh, with what I would say is the best senior management team uh, of any major league franchise, major league soccer franchise in the history of, of, of expansion. Uh, So we had this amazing group uh, that helped us, and guided the ship and made, made sure that we did things, uh, you know, at the highest level. Um, you know, Todd was obsessively focused on the fan. Um, you know, I, and I think our ownership group and management, uh, team learned a lot from, from that group, uh, about, paying attention to, to, and, and, and making everything, um, fan focused. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Paul's, Paul's influence, his, his, uh, legacy, you know, lives on through, through the Sounders and, and, uh, y- you know, I know that's the case with the, the Seahawks, the, the trailblazers as well. And, and uh, so, you know, we obviously will forever be grateful for for his uh, commitment and, and uh, partnership early on and, and helping us make this uh, an amazing community asset uh, and something that we're all proud of. 
a very fitting tribute. Well, Adrian, we could sit and talk all day, but I know you do have to run. So I want to thank you for your time and joining us on the podcast. And hopefully we'll be able to do a season wrap podcast celebrating another MLS Cup. Hopefully. I love it. Hopefully. That'd be great. Maybe uh, maybe an MLS Cup in uh, Seattle. That's, that's the dream. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back for more playoff preview here on Winging It with Zach Awadi. This is our house. A fortress defended by 40,000 strong. It gets the hair standing, your heart racing, and this is our time. One, two, three, hey! The playoffs? Yeah, we're back. Ten straight. It's not luck, it's what we do. It's our DNA. And we're coming for our cup. Days are getting colder, shorter, but that's home, our home. And we're built for this. Here, there. Anywhere. You have to go through us first, and you can bet you will hear us. Welcome back once again. I'm Steve Zakwani, winging it with Zakwani. Massive thanks, massive shout out to my friend Sounders FC owner Adrian Hanawa. Honestly, one of the people I can sit there and talk to all day. Um, he's done so much to change soccer in this community, and we're all appreciative of that. Before we go, the big three things. Number one, the playoffs. Let's talk about it, the playoffs. I don't know what it is, and maybe you American fans can educate me even a little bit on this. There's just something about that word playoffs. I'm a big NBA fan, and regular season, you know, I watch. I buy the NBA League Pass. I fly to games for my team, the Golden State Warriors, which I've been a lifelong fan of for four years, um, five years now. Um, but when it's playoffs, it's a different attention. I'm like following the box scores. I'm trying to get to games. I'm like, it just means something different. And as soon as that whistle blew on Sunday, my mind turned to the playoffs and just thinking of what CenturyLink is going to be like next week, Thursday. It's a different vibe. It's a different feel. And as much as I can say I want a single table just because that's how football is played around the world, I do like the playoffs when they are actually here. So I don't know exactly what to expect from this year's playoffs because the East scares me. I'm not going to lie. I picked Atlanta to win it all at the start of the season. I'm not changing my pick in terms of if I'm being objective. I think Seattle can win. Don't get me wrong. But the strongest team in the East is Atlanta. I know New York have the best defense. I know New York want to support a shield. Atlanta stumbled a bit, but I think they'll find the best form in the playoffs. And once Miguel Almiron is back, if he's back, um, they'll be okay. But the East scares me. Those two teams. Everyone else in the East, Seattle can beat. Rooney, a bit dangerous, but there's Kim Kihi and there's Chad Marshall. Seattle will be okay. In the West, honestly, the LAFC matchup, which I think is what's going to happen, I just can't see Salt Lake going there and winning, but hey, you never know. But that LAFC matchup is the one where I'm thinking, 
Seattle should win. I think Seattle's the better of the two teams. Seattle was the better team in both games, I would say, if I remember from this season, if my memory serves me correctly. Opening day, um, Seattle lost to LAFC here 1-0, really should have won, and then lost down in LA. So They scare me a bit. Kansas would be a tough one. Always a tough place to play, especially going on the road to Kansas in a second leg without a commanding lead would be tough. And they don't give up many goals. And, you know, you know Peter Vermees. You know. You know how he is. But when I look at the field, I don't see a reason why Seattle can't win. That's the first thing I think of. Is there a reason Seattle can't win? Is there a team out there that's just too good? Are Seattle lucky to be there? Are we having injuries, suspensions? And none of those things are true. So there's no reason why Seattle shouldn't go all the way. The dream... It's the host of final here. So please, New York Red Bulls, choke. Please, Atlanta United, choke. If that happens and Seattle goes all the way to the final, they'll be hosting. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility. And listen, agree with me now or this will definitely be another case of I told you so. Number two, Raul Rui Diaz. Listen, when he came in, he bumped Wilbur into the bench. I'm a big fan of Wilburin. I like what he brings. I like the way he plays. I like the heart he plays with. He was scoring goals when the team was playing bad. He had five goals at the time that Raul came here. Will was doing his job. And the coach made a decision to start Raul because the club signed him to start. You don't sign the player for that kind of money, pay him that kind of money, and then tell him, can you sit on the bench? So I understand why Raul played from the beginning. But he's justified it. He's justified it. Not only has he scored goals, he scored big goals. I go back, that goal on Sunday, the second one, oh my God. The loudness, the cheering in the stadium, it just brought everyone to their feet. And that's what Seattle Sounders Soccer is all about. Creating moments and experiences for the fans. And that's the moment everyone's going to remember just because it solidified the fantastic turnaround to the season. It would have been a disappointment to go into the playoffs limping on the back of a 1-1 draw with San Jose. So to beat them 2-1, get the three points, end the year that way was like, it was a stamp on the fantastic turnaround that the team has had. And Raul was a part of that fantastic signing. Well done to Garth and Chris Henderson and that whole crew and Adrian and the ownership group for bringing that type of player. He's a young player who, who's hungry. He works hard for the team, does all the right things. And he knows how to find the back of the net. A true fox in the box, as we say in England. Someone who can sniff a goal out of nowhere. Last but not least, I'm going to make a case I'm going to make a case for Mr. Brian Schmetzer because he won't do it. He's too modest. For some strange reason, this man is still underrated. Now, okay, let's look at what he's done. He came in 2016 to a struggling team, took that team to the MLS Cup Finals and won. How could we all forget? He brought this city, this club, its first MLS championship. Like just think about that. He's done that in half a season. He, he, he did that in 2017. Just to prove it wasn't a fluke, he took that team back to the finals. And the only reason it wasn't a back-to-back situation, because it was a fantastic Toronto team. Toronto completely outplayed Seattle, was seeking blood. They were out for revenge. Once that whistle blew, you saw the look in Altidore's eyes. You saw Michael Bradley. You saw Giovinco. Vasquez, I mean, these guys were out for blood. You came on our pitch last year, sent us home disappointed, not happening again. It happens. And Seattle's big players didn't show up. It happens. You'll lose a final that way. This can, these things can happen. But Seattle were back there. The only two MLS Cup appearances in club history have been overseen 
by Mr. Brian Schmetzer. This season, at the start of the year, Roman was injured. Osvaldo was injured. Nico had an injury. Victor wasn't playing. Look at the names I'm listing. Jordan Morris was out. These are starters on pretty much any MLS team. And he didn't have them available. And then when they came back, he had to make decisions. Rui Diaz over Will Bruin. You had Clint Dempsey retiring in the middle of the season. He had to manage a lot of situations. So it's probably his best coaching job. When you think of the slow start, the injuries, and the big calls he's had to make. And then he guides the team to the record they had, like 14 wins or something like that, in the second half of the season. I think it was 14 wins. The best second half of a season that any team has ever had. 10th straight playoff appearance. All under his stewardship. And people still question him tactically. I mean, you watch his teams play the balls on the ground. It's attacking, it's exciting. Look at that last goal. Look at the first goal on Sunday. Ball from left to right, get it wide, whip the ball into the box. You've got runners in the box, front post, penalty spot, back post, the free areas you're taught to cover. That's coming from coach. That's coaching. That's tactics. That's getting your squad to buy into what you're teaching. Nico's running through walls for him. Osvaldo Alonso's running through walls for him. Rui Diaz is coming, he's running through walls because they buy into what that man is teaching. Is he the best coach in the league? Listen, there's some very good coaches. Is he one of them? Absolutely. And for some reason, he's not getting his props as a fantastic tactician, a good, no, a great man manager. I know that firsthand, trust me. And just such a great person. And if there's anyone that we all want to stand behind to lead us into the playoffs and hopefully to more glory, it's that man, Brian Schmetzer. We'll be back next week in between the two legs. And I was just told Seattle can't play Salt Lake. So it's going to be LAFC, Dallas or Portland. I believe it's going to be LAFC. The league office wants Portland. TV ratings. And I would like FC Dallas the easiest game of the three but we shall see be back next week thanks for listening as always i'm steve zakawani this has been winging it with zakawani